on the poker show tonight. It's Joe Seabock up close and in depth. Seabock's no Bach. Seabock's no rock. Seabock just talks. Welcome to the Poker Show. Here's some highlights from tonight's show. I'm sure we all, there was a big group of us, and we all went out and got drunk. You know, I think everybody loves the long shot story. Everybody loves the Chris Moneymaker that they don't know. I mean, I think a lot of it goes under the radar, and a lot of these plays just become, oh, well, that player's crazy. That guy's just a crazy player. Really kind of goes about his business the way that the old players do. You know, 100% comfortable in my beliefs that, that the current regime certainly had nothing to do with the cheating or anything like that. Vegas on itself, I'm sure, is like a, a battlefield for any regular person to come into. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know anybody that doesn't like Gavin. I knew almost immediately that I didn't just want to be a poker player. You know, the players are all friends. You know, I have friends on Tilt. I have friends on Stars, um, obviously, as well as UB. Um, but at the very top, you know, the leadership of these sites, they have such rivalries, and they just refuse to work together. We think of Phil Ivey, you know, as sort of the benchmark at this point. I mean, maybe he's going to blow that out of the water. Uh, well, I think that UB, you know, really, in a sense, was searching for their identity. Get married and have a kid while, on one hand, it's terrifying, and you know the apocalypse has to be right around the corner. <laughs> it's uh, Things are happening. Things are really happening. I'm back in, in Copenhagen, Denmark. Uh, long trip, was in uh, Morocco, was in Galway. Saw a lot of people, saw a lot of poker. But I've been reading some of the news lately, have you? Uh, we could be on the verge of maybe one of the most monumental weeks in online poker history. It's breaking stuff, whether or not you know about it. Uh, everyone's on there. There's this bill, you know, the lame duck session of Congress. Lame duck sessions of Congress, uh, apparently, is when everything that matters happens, you know, snuck in. And Internet gambling's on there. So there is a chance. Uh, and Harry Reid, uh, you know, has this bull by the horns. And Harry Reid's a pretty powerful guy. And listen, there's nothing angrier than a lame duck from Nevada, let me tell you that. But uh, apparently the proposal is to you know, sneak into this tax bill that may or may not get passed, uh, a legalizing online poker bill. And what it will mean, uh, if, if things go according to plan, is that online poker will become legal in the United States. However, and here's the caveat, the big however, there is going to be a 14-month uh, waiting period whereby and this is to level the playing field whereby all poker sites who are currently operating in the United States uh, will have to cease their operations uh, to let everybody else catch up. And then all at once, uh, you know, whoever gets licensed as a site will go hog pell mile uh, wild in, in about 15 months time. Uh, and the United States will 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 be happening again. This could actually be happening. The way people are talking about it, this this will happen. And if it does happen, like all of a sudden overnight, full tilt goes from uh, someone turning over a billion dollars a year to to a guy to a client list uh, software and a couple of sponsored pros. It's going to be quite amazing. Poker Stars, of course, still has their 
their foreign arm and that sort of thing. It'd be amazing to see if this actually happens. Anyway, uh, we're all kind of waiting. And I think in the next few days, I'm just like, you got to be like refreshing, uh, you know, the two plus two forums, the the news sites. If this thing gets through, uh, Lord knows, Lord knows what will happen next, what will happen. Obviously, it's not just the fact that it's going to be legal in the United States. But what this means is because to be licensed in the U.S., I think you have to be uh, have a casino license or somehow be like it's basically going to be the entrance of all the big American gambling concerns into the online poker market. So uh, things things could really happen anyway. A great show tonight, special show, because uh, we're just talking Joe Seabock. Got to do, uh, and he's such a gracious guy to do this for me. Uh, we've been kind of after him, uh, you know, to get a nice long interview. The guy's running all around. He's got a thousand things to do, and he was so gracious about finding time. And the, the, the <laughs> finally, the, the time he found was right before he was going off to the Bellagio to play in this WPT. We had a great talk. He's, he's a really nice guy. And then... Uh, I was kind of, you know, excited to see how he was going to do because he seemed really pumped up for this. And he lasted, I think, less than one hour in, you know, the deepest stack tournament on the calendar. (laughs) But, well, that's how it goes. Yeah, it's it's poker, isn't it? But uh, if you don't know about Joe Seaback, I'm going to be talking about him a lot in the intro and stuff like that. He's a fascinating guy. Um, In some respects, you know, one of the most influential people uh, in many respects in the poker world right now. And I have to hold my hand up and confess that, you know, up until recently, I was only tangentially aware of Joe Seabach as anything more than Barry Greenstein's son, um, which he is. But that has so little to do with how much he's done. And it was neat. You know, I decided I want to have an interview with him where we don't mention Barry Greenstein at all. Not because Barry Greenstein's not a fantastic guy. He is. He's done a lot for poker. But Joe um, is in the forefront of all the media, has, you know, with uh, his his radio show, with Poker Road Radio, the site, uh, Poker Tonight, his TV show, his Twitter. He's, he's by far the most active Twitterer. Uh, not just in poker, but uh, he's probably uh, got more followers than Madonna. I mean, I'm sure. There's no way Madonna's got a million followers, does she? Um, anyway, all that coming up. Excited to talk to Joe Seabach, so we will be right back. Hi, I'm Roland DeWolf, Triple Crown winner, and this is The Poker Show with Mickey Dane. I mean, Jesse May. Hey, Jesse, it's Kim Lansing here. If you don't have a Party Poker account, sign up today using the bonus code POKERSHOW and we'll match your first deposit up to $500. That's $400 more than normal, but you have to use the bonus code POKERSHOW. Already got a Party Poker account? We've got something for you, too. An exclusive reload bonus. Redeposit using the bonus code POKERSHOW50 and we'll match your deposit up to $50. Was that the... UKIPT Galway last week and ran into Liv Bury, Poker Star sponsored pro. Now, Liv, she spent a lot of time in America and she spent a lot of time as a social butterfly in addition to being EPT champion. So I knew she knows Joe Seabach. I know she's friends with him. I see her Twitter and stuff like that. So I just wanted to ask Liv, what does she know about Joe Seabach? What does she tell me something about Joe? I met Joe years ago. I'm fairly sure we all, there was a big group of us and we all went out and got drunk. And there was like lots of shadow boxing and things like that randomly happening. Um, I think I seem to remember people trying to fight. It was really weird. It <laughs> seems yeah. to always happen when you're around. Like... No, it wasn't me. I wasn't actually doing any fighting for once, which was nice. Um, yeah, I, got, I don't know. He's just a really, really fun guy. Um, had just a number of nights out. Um, 
with them. Obviously, uh, you know, he's been he's helped me with my career. He's always given me advice. Um, he's just a really sweet guy. And for those of you who don't know anything about Joe Seabock, I'll give you a quick little biographical information. Now, poker-wise, Seabock's got he's, – he's got results, you know, a couple six-figure poker results stretching back to about 2005. Uh, biggest result, I think, you know, we won a Feta Lago 5000 event for – 200 plus thousand was featured heavily in the 2009 WSOP main event coverage. We ended up making, oh, the final, you know, seven, eight tables or so. But what Joe's really known for is, you know, he has gotten the media side of poker in America, uh, started doing a lot of really new stuff. And it all started pretty much with this Poker Road radio, which, if you don't know about Poker Road, uh, you, you know, you should get over there, pokerroad.com, and, and check it out. Uh, now, it's not just Joe, but the team that he put together. Basically, their idea was to have a site that was just going to be some fun content. They started up about three or four different radio shows. I think there's the Two Jacks, which is you know uh, Scott Huff and Stapleton. There's Poker Road Radio. Now, Poker Road Radio, I think, was the, 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 the real uh, star of the whole show because that was basically where Joe Seabach and, and Gavin Smith got this duo thing going. And they are, they are a great team. Gavin Smith, as you know, just one of the great personalities in poker. And it was just basically a radio show. Talk about everything you know, around the tournaments, everything uh, except you know actual too much actual strategy in hands. And it was a lot of fun. Also on Poker Road, they started up this Life of Ivy thing. Well, that was you know, a lot of Barry Greenstein's influence because Barry knows Phil Ivy pretty well. And you can go watch those old ones. It was pretty it was fly-on-the-wall stuff following Phil Ivy around. you got to love that stuff. But then Seabach... Uh, went to uh, started up a TV show called Poker Tonight. It was pretty much a magazine show. It was primetime, Fox Sports uh, on TV. And it was great stuff. You can see the old, old uh, shows on Poker Tube or, or some other places. Uh, a lot of fun. Uh, you know, and he's a, he's a really neat guy. He's also got the social media thing going with Twitter. They say a million followers. I don't, I don't even know what that means. But... Uh, you know, basically, uh, he's got more followers than many poker sites have customers. And he's now sponsored pro by UB. We're going to talk about that later. But uh, let's just get into it. Here he is, Joe Seabach. Hey, Jesse. How you doing? Hi, Joe. How's it going? I, I feel like I've been talking to you for a few hours because I've been sitting here watching old poker tonight. So it's a good show, actually. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, uh, what, what, what happened? Why, is it, why, why isn't it on anymore? I don't know. You know, I think basically those shows, you know, whenever the online sites do a show, they, they want it to, you know, turn into acquisitions. And I think that that was a show that wasn't really built for that. And so I think in that sense, it was a little bit disappointing, even though the poker community received it really, really well. And we obviously had a lot of fun doing it. So we were pretty sad when it ended up uh, being canceled. There, there, there's this big disconnect right now, isn't there, between the need that the sponsors have a need for this. Uh, they have to show a return on their, their, their money and the fact that the, the poker community wants something different than what they're getting these days. Yeah, I, I definitely think there is, actually. It's, it, it's exactly that. You know, everything is ROI and how many new acquisitions and everything is driven sort of by these new players. And um, I agree with you. I feel sometimes that the community loses out and the existing players, you know, a lot of the online sites end up losing out in the experience um, because they're already acquired, obviously. You know, they're already players on the site, and so they're not being targeted anymore. But I agree with you 100%. Now, you are a guy who, I mean, I, I feel like you, even more than Daniel Negrano did maybe four or five years ago with maybe blogs and the Internet, you've really 
taken this new media to heart. You know, the Twitter with Poker Road, all the the, the Poker Tonight. Um, What's going on right now in that new media? I mean, you've got a million followers. That's like that's like a massive poker site on its own. Right. (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah, I mean, it's exactly that. I mean, the bottom line is you have to evolve. You know, and I think that that's something when I came into poker, you know, I have a business background and I've I've done a lot of other things. And I I knew almost immediately that I didn't just want to be a poker player. That just wasn't something that was going to hold my interest for very long, even though I do love the game. And it's definitely a huge component of my life. Um, But I wanted to do other things, you know, so quickly I got involved in the radio shows, you know, and that kind of led to starting Poker Road. You know, and that sort of spawned into, you know, Poker Tonight at one point, working with UB. Um, and it's always kind of like, what's the next challenge? You know, I, I love sitting at the tables and I love competing. Um, but there's so much more to life and there's so many different ways that you can challenge yourself. And, you know, whether it's getting involved in social media and Twitter and Facebook and, you know, trying to set up a dialogue with, you know, poker fans or fans of you or, or just fans of different projects that you're in. Um, it, it's all just a new challenge. You know, it's just something, it's something interesting, something that you haven't done yet. Uh, and that's something I've tried to embrace and evolve with. You know, I'm pretty happy with it so far. So, but the question is always, what's the next thing? And so that's sort of uh, what I'm thinking about now. What's the next thing? So I haven't, I haven't answered that yet, though. But I mean, the question really is: is why aren't all these people you're touching? You know, with the poker road, the big poker fans, with your Twitter, um, all this, the poker tonight. Why aren't they? getting into poker like they used to. Why isn't poker as fun for them right now? Why doesn't it offer them what it used to? Um, well, it's interesting. I think for some of them it is. You know, I think for some of them it's not. Uh, you know, it obviously it kind of depends on how much time they've spent in poker. Um, you know, but I think that the media is sort of hasn't changed yet. You know, people are still getting the same old things. They're still getting the same poker shows. Um, you know, and you hit it on the nail on the head a little earlier, Jesse. I mean, that's why we liked Poker Tonight so much was because it was something new. I mean, it was something that hadn't been done before, which was why it was so exciting to us in the first place. Um, and I think the poker community at large, you know, is sort of waiting on that. You know, and hopefully hopefully that'll change. Hopefully we'll see more things like Poker Tonight or we'll see more innovative, you know, concepts, whether they're TV shows or, or web shows or what have you. Um, but, you know, it's been it's sort of been the same for a little while, you know, and it's hard to to innovate, you know, with things like that. And especially in an industry as young as, as the poker is. I mean, it's all of, you know, at the very most about a decade old in terms of coming into sort of the media. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, I think some people are having fun, but I think you're right. Some people are sort of looking for the next thing. And, you know, I like to think, you know, for some of the players that falls on us, you know, I I take that as a challenge and trying to figure out what that next thing is to get people re-energized and re-into the game. I mean, I'm not saying like the bubble has burst, but I mean, some of the themes that you touch on, I think on Poker Tonight and on your show that hit home with me are when you say, you know, there's too many tours. Where's the prestige gone? Who knows what's going on? And I mean, obviously, we've got the World Series of Poker, but you're at this WPT Bellagio right now. Is there a buzz there about it? I mean... Well, I think there's always a little bit of buzz, uh, a little bit of buzz at the Bellagio, you know. And I think the reason for that is, you know, the, all of the pros are there, you know. And at this point, I mean, poker has become, you know, quote unquote, a sport. I don't consider it a sport, but we'll go ahead and use that term. But it has become sort of a, a game slash sport where they're recognizable faces that people root for at this point. You know, I think everybody loves the long shot story. Everybody loves the Chris Moneymaker that they don't know. Um, but really what I think would help the game is some sort of league. You know, Chip Reese, uh, before he passed, had been working really, really diligently on setting up a new league and, you know, really creating something where, 
maybe the top 50 or, or 80 or 100 players in the world that uh, all these fans want to root for, they're competing against each other on a regular basis. And more than anywhere else, you get that at the Bellagio. You know, that's just a spot where the pros come out. They all like to compete there. And that's something that the fans want. Um, so who knows? I mean, maybe it will happen. There will end up being a league. You know, and, and there's reasons why, you know, football has a league in the United States and basketball has a league. Because um, the truth is people do get tired of, you know, watching a pickup game. You know, they, they want to watch LeBron James. I mean, they, they want to watch these guys compete. And it's the same in poker. I mean, they want to watch Phil Ivey. They want to watch Barry Greenstein. You know, these are the guys that they want to see. Um, and so I think that that's some of it. You know, I think people are a little tired of seeing sort of, you know, the guys that they don't know compete for these titles. And they want to see the guys that they do know compete on a regular basis. I'm glad to hear you say that. Moneymaker is so 2003. <laughs> <laughs> He's so on the ball, Joe Seabach, or... Is it just because I agree with everything he says? But like that's been my mantra for, for so long, which is that poker needs a league. Poker needs something like the PGA Tour. Poker needs to it, – it needs some sort of organization beyond right now. What we've got is a very loosely affiliated WSOP and, and, and nothing else. And it's great to hear you know, influential people like Joe Seabach talking about stuff like that. Uh, anyway, we will be right back with part two of Joe Seabach. Hello, I'm Black Belt Poker's Neil Channing, and you're listening to The Poker Show with Jesse May. Marvelous. Hey guys, it's Kara Scott here. Enter your email address at thepokershowlive.com and get the show delivered twice a week. Now, one of the things that's been sort of controversial as far as Seabach is concerned is about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, he took on UB Ultimate Bet as a, as a sponsorship. Uh, you know, he's now a sponsored pro Ultimate Bet. The reason that was controversial, obviously, is because of the UB super user scandal. Now, UB's always had, you know, Phil Helmuth and Annie Duke and such as pros, and they've got quite a lot of flack about the super user scandal. But for some reason, they just kind of ignore it. Not Seabach. He kind of, when he went into UB, he said he was going to take this on, and he was going to take it on himself to sort of shake things up and see things change. Now, if you don't know about the UB super user scandal, briefly, uh, sort of the biggest cheating uh, scandal that's ever rocked the poker world. It's several years old now, about, I guess, about three or four years old, and it was basically discovered that there was people who either owned UB, uh, Ultimate Bet, originally, or were working there, had found a back door in where they, they were looking at players' cards and and betting playing against them. So they were putting in sort of these super users, players, who were actually able to see everyone's cards at the table. Won millions off the poker community. Uh, fantastic that it was discovered, that it was found out. The guy who looks, you know, they're talking about two people who were mostly behind it. The, the former owner of UB, Tom can't remember his name. And Russ Hamilton, the former world champion, was one of the founders of UB. And some of the stuff about, you know, tracking those people down has been swept under the rug, but a lot of it hasn't. And basically, it's the new ownership now with, Joe, with uh, Ultimate Bet. Joe Seabach was a public face uh, in trying to clean this thing up, uh, responding to the needs of the community. And he really went in there and worked and, and, and you know, has, uh, I, I think, put a new face on UB. Um, They've turned a new page, and, you know, should you go back and play there? Well, definitely there are people doing that, and I think they've had a little bit of a trouble, you know, trying to decide who they are and what they are, but, you know, Seabach has contributed a lot, and he's 
I have to say, handled it very ethically under a, a lot of criticism. Go to Wicked Chops Poker and watch some of the interviews with him where he talks about this. Go to his blog and read some of this stuff. Uh, you'll see what I mean. But anyway, we'll talk about this in this part. You said on your Twitter, I, I, I like your, you, you post a lot on your Twitter, but you said that driving into Vegas these days is, is like going back to college with so many memories. T- tell me some of your, your worst or best memories from Vegas. Oh, well, you know, Vegas on itself, I'm sure, is like a, a battlefield for any regular person to come into yeah. <laughs> in terms of all the things that they can get into. Um, but, you know, I had never played poker until I was about 27, 28. Um, so coming into Vegas, trying to learn the game, you know, being intimidated, seeing some of these guys that were on television at the time. Um, you know, and it's been a roller coaster ride. I mean, I've got so many of these tournament victories, you know, and some of these preliminary events, which are obviously elating and incredible. Um, but a lot of close calls too you know i mean they don't call me seventh block for nothing uh it's for finishing seventh so often in these tournaments where the tv final tables uh start at six you know so it's just it runs the gamut i mean it's really interesting because the poker community as you move up in it you know and you sort of get to to rub shoulders and and spend time and work with all of these you know huge players you see on television um it really is a a tight tight tight-knit community and it's sort of like a high school you know that's sort of how i refer to it so like any high school, as we all can remember, I mean, there's just a lot of memories across the board. You know, good ones, bad ones, squabbles you have with people, you know, there's rivalries, um, and there's great friendships, you know, and that's something that really has developed in poker. And I always think about that as I drive into Vegas. I mean, every casino has a, a different set of memories for me, so it always cracks me up driving every down the Every bar, street. every poker room, every tournament, that sort of thing? Absolutely. I mean, it, I mean, that's actually apropos because poker, at least in the, in the professional poker community, isn't confined to just these tournaments. I mean, every bar is a perfect way to put it because we spend so much time together, whether it's going out to dinner, whether it is going out to a bar. I mean, these people really become your families. Um, you know, just last night I ended up going over to Gavin Smith's house, a good friend of mine who I've done the radio show with for years, because um, his new son was just born about two weeks ago. Um, so we really do get to watch each other sort of grow up and, and evolve and mature. So it's it's been a really interesting ride. See, now we're all getting old. If Gavin Smith's having children, I mean, but that's that's great. Um, if- uh, Gavin is someone who really became – everyone knew he was a great personality, but Poker Road, he really became a legend on, didn't he? Yeah, well, you know, Gavin, you said it perfectly. He's a great personality. Um but I like to think, you know, that we we built something that was that was pretty interesting just with our back and forth. You know, I think Gavin sort of represents the everyman. Um, and, you know, he and I went went to battle a lot on these different radio show incarnations. You know, and Poker Road obviously has been going on for about three years now. Um, but people really sort of rallied behind him and, and sort of chose sides and, and loved to root for him or loved to root for me. Um, and he's just one of the best guys in poker that, that you can imagine. I mean, he's just got such a huge heart. You know, everybody loves him. I mean, I don't know anybody that doesn't like Gavin. Um, and, you know, he really has been a guy that's been fun to root for over the years. And to see him, you know, get married and have a kid, while on the one hand it's terrifying and, you know, the apocalypse has to be right around the corner. Uh, you know, on the other hand, it's great to see, you know, because, you know, Gavin has gone through a lot. And to see him come out and, and sort of move on in his life really is a beautiful thing. Excellent. And, and, and we want to watch him more. I mean, that's what you're talking about. You know, at this stage in poker, a guy like Gavin needs to be on TV playing every week. Why not? You know? Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, these are the people that the fans want to see. That's the bottom line. They want to see these guys. They know the rivalries. They know that, you know, who has, you know, beef with each other. They know who interacts. And that's what they want to see. I mean, that's the bottom line. When you turn on, you know, a football game in the States, you want to see, 
you know, Peyton Manning playing against Drew Brees. I mean, that's just what you want to see. You don't want to see two guys you've never heard of playing football, you know, and that's what we've evolved to in poker. And I think if we don't change to reflect that and we don't respect that, the people, you know, will tune out a little bit. So I'm hoping that that happens. Well, I mean, one of the things is the sponsorships in poker. Now, you are a sponsored player, sponsored by UB. And, I mean, is there a – some people would say, or, or I might even say that one of the reasons that, that poker, the poker economy is like that is because all the money goes towards professional sponsorships rather than going into tournaments. I mean, is that unfair, essentially? Um, You know, I don't know if unfair is the term. It would be nice if some of that – you know, money was redirected towards, you know, and I always go back to this concept of a league because I really think that, that is something that needs to happen. Um, one of the problems is that basically all of the money in poker are, is tied up in the online sites, like you right. said. So, full tilt, you know, poker stars, UB, uh, et cetera, party poker, there's some other ones. That's where all the money is, and they've really kind of developed these really heated rivalries with each other. You know, the players are all friends. You know, I have friends on tilt, I have friends on stars. Um, obviously, as well as UB. Um, but at the very top, you know, the leadership of these sites, they have such rivalries and they just refuse to work together. Um, and I think it's much, you know, it really is a negative in our industry. I just really think that it's hurting us because they certainly could come together and form this mega league. You know, and the bottom line is that the poker universe isn't complete without Phil Ivey. You know, it, it's not complete without Barry Greenstein. It's not complete without Phil Hellmuth. And these guys are all represented by different sites. Um, and the, the fans want to see all of them. So, you know, I always hope that they'll get together. And I've always been a huge proponent of, you know, these different sites working together to keep all of the players involved. You know, and I, I continue to keep my fingers crossed and hope that that happens. But the fact of the matter is that, that that's why it hasn't, because that's where all the money is. And the leadership of these sites really sort of don't like each other at this point. Let's talk about UB for a second. You, more than any other of the UB pros, of the people in poker, really took the the super user scandal head on. Um, and in, in the face of a lot of opposition and criticism, I might add, um, you, you know, the stuff on Wicked Chops and on your blogs, great stuff. Do you think you're at the other end of it now? Um, you know, I like to think so. You know, obviously, the, the, you know, the scandal went down and, it, it you know, it was sort of the former ownership that was involved. So... There was a lot of cleanup, you know, with the new ownership coming in, and, and they made a lot of mistakes initially. So the idea was to go in there, get out as much as we possibly could in terms of information. You know, and it's very, very tough when something like that happens. You know, it's still a privately owned company. Um, and while I'm 100% comfortable in my beliefs that, that the current regime certainly had nothing to do with the cheating or anything like that, um, they definitely made some mistakes in the initial um, sort of handling of it and, and getting out of information. Um, but in the year that I've been there, you know, we have gotten out basically as many of the names of the cheaters as we could find through our investigations, um, you know, and certainly as many of the hand histories as we could that weren't affected, you know, by data loss or anything like that. Um, so I like to think that we're just about at the point where we're coming out of it and it's time to turn the corner. And, you know, really the whole point, obviously, of getting involved with a site was to do exciting, fun things. You know, and I knew that I had that year to do some cleanup, but now, you know, I'd like to focus on re-energizing the brand, you know, coming up with some innovative concepts, you know, because that's, that's really what I do best. I mean, getting involved in new media, you know, and, and coming up with, you know, new fun ways for the players to interact with each other and to interact with the game. Um, so, obviously, you know, I'm hoping that we can turn that corner and that it's time to start to get into some fun things now. Who is UB right now? I mean, we know we know about stars, we know about tilt, raise, stack, own. What 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 is it? What what is UB? 
Uh, well, I think that UB, you know, really, in a sense, was searching for their identity. You know, so many people think about the negatives that have gone on, and I think probably the next 12 months, you know, 10 to 12 months is going to be about defining that. You know, what is UB? What's it all about? You know, it has some of the most loyal players on the site <clears throat> because it's been around, you know. The oh, longest. it's it predates uh, predates Full Tilt, you know, nearly predates Stars uh, around the party time. Yeah, it's it was early. They were very early. Yeah, exactly. You know, and a lot of those players are still on the site. You know, and I've gotten to know them uh, throughout the year, and they've always kind of expressed the same thing. Oh, man, this is, this is such a bummer. You know, we've been involved with UB for so long. We really love it. We love the community. We, we love, you know, to play on the site. So I really think it's going to end up being about community. You know, and I have some ideas for things um, in the coming months that we're going to do um, that, that are kind of going to define that even uh, stronger. You know, so in my mind, that, that's sort of what we need to be focusing on. There's going to be a lot of new media, you know, a lot of involvement with Twitter and Facebook and getting our players and our fans, you know, interacting and, and playing with the actual pros and, and giving them as many opportunities as that. Um, so I really think that that's going to end up being our identity. But in a sense, that's sort of the fun, you know, is, is we get to, to sort of build that as we go along. And that's what the next, you know, 12 months is going to be about. I mean, that'd be cool. You know, you could you could almost say that for I know you think online poker, it is young, less than a decade. But for a. a multi-multi-billion-dollar industry, there has not been that much product innovation um, in the last 10 years. You know, a couple new games or something. There, there, there is an opportunity for some site to get out there and do something really different. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, whether it's something like, you know, obviously Full Tilt did a great job with Rush Poker, and that's something that's taken over. Well, it's not a new game. It's certainly putting an interesting right. twist on the old game, um, and people love that. So whether it's that, you know, last year we had a tournament – on UB, where the winner got to go skydiving with me. Uh, so we flew uh, Jared Weston, a real great kid, and his father out to Las Vegas about a month ago, took him skydiving. So, so whether it's inventing a new game or just putting twists on the games that we currently have, um, I agree with you. I mean, it's got something has to innovate, something has to change, um, and that's definitely something that I'm going to be looking to do, as I said, over the next year or so uh, at UB, is just coming up with what's, what's the new thing. I mean, is it is it just new tournaments? Is it new prizes? Is it you know, fans can win experiences. I mean, I mean, what is the new thing that's really going to get people fired up? Yo, Phil Helmuth, 11-time world champion of poker, bragging again. You're here listening to The Poker Show with Jesse May. I'm the best now, and I smash it now. I've proved it already across European side, across American side. If you don't wind me up anymore, I'm sending everyone broke, and that's the problem. <laughs> if you haven't already, if you don't go to Poker Road, and I guess in some ways they're competition directly for our show. Well, they're not really. It's a, they, they do a great job. I was just listening to uh, some of the stuff they're doing down at the WPT at the Bellagio. Gavin Smith was back. Gavin Smith just had a baby. Him and Joe Seabuck. They have so much fun. And... You know, that's, that's what it's about. I think that's what not enough of these poker shows do. Um, and maybe that's what he's brought into poker more than anything else. He says it's all about the fun. And it is. You know, listen to some of these, of these shows. Uh, go into their forums. Read his blog. And you see, he is about having fun. And poker should be fun. That's what the community is about. You know, he, he talks about his, his new plans being poker community. Uh, I'd like to see that happen. I think... I think poker needs a little bit of something like that. Here is our last part with Joe Seba. Tell me about, because you're on the ground there in California, Vegas these days. Who for you right now are the five most exciting people in poker? Um, 
Who, who are the, that's an interesting question. Who are the five most exciting people in poker? Um, you know, I think for me, it's probably more off the table. So it's probably not so much the poker players. You know, if I was going to pick specific players, it'd be some of the young guys, you know, the, the Ryan D'Angelo's, you know, the guys that people don't know about. Maybe Frost, Jaka, you know, more players know about. Um, but the players, it's those guys. I mean, they're redefining the game. You know, guys like Eric Baldwin, you know, Jason Mercier, these guys are young guys who just won't stop winning. And they're basically turning this whole concept of you can't win every poker tournament on its ear because they're, they're winning every poker yeah. tournament. So, you know, and we're trying to figure out how they're doing it. Um, but even a step further beyond that, you know, I look toward sort of, you know, the business players in the poker world. You know, the guys over the WSOPs, Ty Stewart, you know, those guys, because I'm working with them a lot to try to come up with new ideas. You know, whether it's Paul Leggett, you know, who's sort of, uh, you know, my leader over at UB, you know, try, trying to break new ground, come up with new concepts. So a lot of it for me is a combination of the players, but also sort of the business players that are behind the scenes trying to come up with the interesting things um, that are going to be new for the fans or the poker pros or really just the poker community at large. So for me, it's really sort of a larger group of all kinds of people. And just to touch on these these young players who have, have turned the game on its head, uh, do you think a lot of people aren't really in touch with how quickly the game is changing? Um, some of these young players are playing so much better than everybody else. Yeah, I, mean, I, I definitely think they're not. You know, being a casual fan, you don't really get to, to pick up the subtle nuances. I mean, I think a lot of it goes under the radar, and a lot of these plays just become, oh, well, that player's crazy. That guy's just a crazy player. Um, which is always what we heard about five years ago when somebody was hyper-aggressive or doing things that we didn't understand. Um, now, of course, we see that it's not just that they're hyper-crazy. You know, they're, they're picking their spots well. I mean, new plays are evolving all the time. Um, and I think it's exactly that. People don't necessarily – you have to spend a lot of time in this game and, and watching these guys come up with new concepts to really understand it. And even then, you're still scratching your head sometimes trying to figure out, you know, what are they doing so well? Why, why are these guys winning so much? Um, so yeah, for the casual fan, I definitely think a lot of times they don't understand it. Um, cause it's really, I mean, it's exactly that. They're casual fans. You know, you really have to get into the nuts and bolts of what's going on to pick these guys apart. And you're still going to be confused because I'm still confused half the time. <laughs> oh, I don't know what's going on, but I know I like it. It's like the difference between watching the World Series, the two hour show, and watching the final table, the 14 hour live stream. Because, right. I mean, there was incredible stuff going on there this year. Exactly, exactly. Um, you said uh, a few months ago that Durr, Tom Dwan, was still on the cusp of superstardom. Where, where do you stand on him now? Well, you know, it's one of those things. I think that, you know, I, I think it's hard to argue that he's not a star at this point. And Tom's one of my favorite guys. I mean, he's, he's sort of this incredible combination of, you know, the, the new school, because obviously he's a young kid and he's coming up with new concepts every day. But he's so respected by the old guard, too, and he really kind of goes about his business the way that the old players do. You know, he doesn't really talk a lot of trash. Um, he just kind of gets in there and he just plays. So he's really this incredible combination. You know, I think the only thing, obviously, that's that's keeping him maybe from just kind of redefining superstardom is just, you know, winning a bracelet, taking down one of these huge titles. You know, obviously, we know he does most of his damage in cash games. Um, but I mean, he's, he's right there. I mean, I think it's probably hard to argue that he's not a superstar at this point. So I probably have to take back what I said a, a little while ago. Um, but maybe he's going to redefine superstar. I mean, we think of Phil Ivey, you know, as sort of the benchmark at this point. I mean, maybe he's going to blow that out of the water. I mean, he really has the potential for that. 
um, with just having that charisma at such a young age and having that ability at su- such a young age. So I guess we'll kind of have to stay tuned and see what develops with him. I mean, he's just he's an incredible uh, player to watch. I mean, the coolest thing that Durr is has done, and he's done it in a different way than Phil Helmuth did it earlier, is to pretty much with the Durr challenge stand up and say, "I'm the best. Uh, I'll I'll play anybody." And you know, that's I think something that. I, I think, me as a fan, I want that. I want to watch that in poker. Oh, yeah, that, that's exactly what it is. I mean, it's time, you know, it's one thing to proclaim yourself the best, and it's quite different to say, look, I'll play anyone, anytime, anywhere. Let's do it. You know, and he did exactly that. He said, just step up, and it'll be on. I mean, we'll get into it. And that does take it a step further than some of the big-name pros who love to yak and talk about how they're the best. But when it comes time to sit down and put their money up, a lot of times that they back off. They're a little reticent to do that. Um, and, the, and the young guys are not. The young guys are, are going after it. You know, Durr is a great example of that. Um, and it's changed the game. You know, and you said it perfectly. As a fan, I mean, I'm a fan of these guys as well, that you want to see that. I mean, you want to see these guys go head-to-head, whether it's a tournament, a cash game. I mean, playing these mega pots, these $250,000 pots online and stuff, I mean, it boggles the mind, even for a poker pro. You know, so for a casual fan, I mean, it has to just be like otherworldly. Uh, listen, I know you got to get. Th- thanks very much for your time here, Joe. People can follow you on Twitter. Well, what what are your rules for twittering? Because I mean, how do you get a million followers? First of all, <laughs> well, I don't have any rules. You know, I basically for myself, it's just about being honest. You know, I like to to get out there and 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 also just to interact. You know, come up with things that people are interested in. You know, whether it's talking about music. You know, whether it's, you know, having them sort of weigh in, even if it's negative. I mean, I get some people who don't like me on there who like to tell me about it. And I don't, you know, they never bother me. I have no problem with that. And I certainly have no problem responding most of the time to what they have to say. Um, but that's the main thing is just keep it honest, you know, and, and a lot of sort of the interesting subject matter flows from that. You know, it's trying not to be fake. You know, I'm not going to go on there. A lot of times you'll see with the poker players, they you'll never, ever see them write, you know, I played really poorly today or I made a mistake today or I did this. It's all I'm the best. I don't understand why, you know, I didn't win this. Um, and I think that, that that kind of stuff does get a little trite and gets a little bit old because um, the bottom line is poker players play bad sometimes, too. You know, and that's just a small example of just being honest, you know, be honest with yourself. Um, and I think people respect that, you know, and I think that people have done that on Twitter. And it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a fun ride. It's great. Listen, best of luck in the future. And at the Bellagio, that's at Joe Seaback on the Twitter and obviously PokerRoad.com with all the radio stuff. Uh, good luck and hope to see you soon, Joe. Thanks, Jesse. I appreciate all it. All right. Take care, man. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. This is Sinisa. I am with the Royal Flush Girls. You're listening to The Poker Show with Jesse May and Party Poker. What's up, guys? It's Dragon here. You're listening to The Party Poker Show with Jesse May and Party Poker. Nice guy. And he makes you want to open up a Twitter account, doesn't he? I kind of get on that stuff. Twitter, Facebook, Poker Road. Go to PokerTube. Watch the old Poker Tonight's. The classics. Uh, I also kind of got into this Wicked Chops poker uh as well which is which is also great stuff yeah there's some different guys but the same sort of idea um you know there are people in america uh doing neat things it's not just over here in europe is it but um, so check that out uh joe seabach of course you can follow him on twitter you should go to pokerroad.com um and you know i'm sure he's the kind of guy where quite happy to take on board uh ideas and stuff like that we want things to be a little bit different don't we uh, next time, uh, tomorrow night, in fact, or the day after tomorrow, I'll be going over to London for the Poker Million final. Quite excited about that. It's uh, 
look, it's all about Gus Hansen, all about Barney Boatman, all about Patrick Antonius, Howard Letterer, James Board, uh, plus uh, don't forget about uh, the Seth fella. Anyway, we'll see you next time. We'll be right back.